This program is a proud member of Univaz. Unified, unique, voices. Learn more at univazpods.net. Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen, and so are you! <laughs> again, my beautiful screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets gay. I'm Brenda Ficaro again today. Yeah, I'm losing my voice, but it doesn't matter because you know why? Because tonight is episode 246, perhaps the most important episode to me in the whole potathon, which is why everything that could have possibly is could go wrong, has gone wrong. But not only is it episode 246, it is also day 20 of the Countdown to Halloween Marathon. It's tomorrow, y'all. This is the penultimate episode. Yes, yes. And to celebrate this wonderful feeling of anticipation, For the holiday tomorrow, every horror fan's favorite day in the whole year, we are covering one hell of a movie. We are going to be talking about All About Evil, the movie that if it did not exist, neither would this podcast. See why this was important? No pressure, Patrick. No pressure. But fortunately, I have two very super fantabulous guests joining me today to help me through, you know, to help pick up my slack or throw more slack on me, depending, whatever. But we have got (laughs) director Cristiani. Remember him? He was on the Strange Invaders episode and he was here for Chopping Mall. And he's also the director Creatures from the Pink Lagoon. Some of you were at that screening and left really, really drunk. And that's exactly what Chris wanted because that's the kind of person he is. Fabulous. But trying to keep him in check and me from falling on my face, we also have one of my co-stars from the Underpants Godot. He's an actor. He's a singer. He is a jaunty man about town. I am talking about Jason Pintar. He's new to the show, and you are going to love him and his big, deep voice. Of course, his big, deep voice doesn't sound like Brenda Vaccaro, but he does use deodorant tampons. I already made that joke this year. This is the second time in a month I've made deodorant tampon jokes. What kind of show is this? Well, for those of you who might actually be turning in for the first time, please allow me to introduce myself. My name is Patrick Walsh, and twice a month, every month, I am your guide to the weird and wonderful world of horror movies. But there's a catch. You're going to have to see them through my very, very gay little eyes. What does that mean? I don't know, but you're going to find out today. But things have been a little different here. I've been putting out a show a day every day for 21 days. Why on earth are you doing that, Patrick? Are you crazy? Yes, but that is totally not the point right now. I'll tell you this much. While it all seems like fun, we've got some serious work to do here because the countdown to Halloween 
Tonathon is also a fundraiser. It's a fundraiser for an organization called New Alternatives, which has dedicated itself to helping homeless LGBT teenagers get off the street, not just tonight, but for good, helping them turn their life around with health care and, and psychiatric care and job training, job placement, food, housing, clothes, the works. And they're doing it with all those, without all those pesky government ties that says, no homo, no homo, no homo, no homo, go away. That's literally what they're saying, and that's not okay. No, 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 no. So even though the donation pages are open until the middle of November, mostly because... I just put out 21 episodes. It's going to take people a long time to get through that. Or, you know, it's podcasting. People get to it in their own time. They, get, they listen when they have the chance. So some people might not find out about what we're doing till the middle of November. And we don't want them to feel left out now, do we? No. But here's the thing. We are so close to the $2,500 goal that I could weep. But I'm not going to weep. I'm going to make you a deal. Okay, in the past few days, I have been recording some bonus episodes with some of the people who made the films. Some of the films, anyway, that we've been talking about in this marathon, uh, potathon, whatever I call it. I don't remember. Leave me alone. Anyway, <laughs> what I was planning on doing with them, they were going to be available only to people who donated. And if you didn't get a chance to donate and you wanted to listen to it later down the road, you would have an option to buy it, you know, like a dollar or two through the iTunes store or whatever. They were going to be super exclusive. There's several of them with several of these directors or actors or people behind the scenes, you know, bigger caliber people than I am used to pulling in on this show. However, if we make the $2,500 goal by the time Halloween is over, the first of those episodes is going to be made public for free for everyone. And that is a conversation with the delightful and, and ruggedly handsome Bart Mastronardi, who was one of the co-directors of Tales of Poe, which we talked about way, 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 way back in episode one. And there's several more in store. And I think I'm going to use them as bait as the middle of November draws closer. But you know what? We're going to deal with tomorrow first. We're going to deal with tomorrow. If we hit $2,500, yeah, $2,500 by tomorrow, that episode goes out to everybody. If not, oh, well, you got to cough up a little cash and it all goes to new alternatives. I'm going to force a donation out of you by hook or by crook. But here's the thing. We've got less than $250 to go. We can do this, guys and gals, or whatever gender non-conforming identity that you rock the house with. We can do it. If you haven't donated, please, this is the time to do it. If you haven't shared it, that bit.ly link is for the Facebook page. Three times I posted it, I've got almost $800. Bing, 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 bing. No, sure, some other people are sharing it, but there's a consistency of the people who are donating. I recognize all of you. I recognize all of you. And that's fine. But come on. Let's, 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 let's. 
I don't know. I'm trying to think of something really like inspiring, and all I want to do is crawl into bed because that's the other thing. I've got no sleep tonight because that nor'easter that kind of blew through the other day has kicked up every allergen in the world. So I've been waking up every 20 minutes, and I'm so out of it. I've spent so much time in front of this computer that I didn't even know there was a nor'easter. I just thought it was Wendy. Whatever. That's not the point right now. The point is that if you have not donated or if you know someone who has not donated, please, you go or you tell them to go to bit.ly slash sqpodathon. That's bit.ly sqpodathon. If they have an issue with Facebook, that's totally cool because we have an alternative page for them. You can go directly to the new alternative site that I've set up. And use that very, very, very long URL because, as I keep saying, if you don't put in the whole thing, you're not going to get anywhere. And that sounded filthy, and I truly did not mean it that way this time, believe it or not. Believe it or not, even though Brian Wilson just came up with that rule, the new Scream Queens rule, always leave it in. But that's for vampires. We're not dealing with vampires. We're dealing with homeless LGBT teenagers, and, and, and that, that's really inappropriate of you to think that even though I'm the one who said it. Shut up! What's the URL already? The URL that is very, very long is http colon slash slash fundraise.newalternativesnyc.org slash sq. Gosh, I wonder what that sq stands for. That seems very strange. It stands for Scream Queens, you big silly. My goodness gracious. (sighs) I'm very excited about this episode. I have worked extra hard on this because, like I said, everything that could have gone wrong with this episode has gone wrong. When we recorded it, we ha- first of all, I had a hard time scheduling the guests. I had to go through several guests before I got the two I wound up with. I think Chris was always on board, but that other one kept rotating through and, and you know, there was always scheduling problems or something would happen. So it was already very difficult. We had to record it very late in the game. And five minutes before we started, Chris calls me and says, um, a transformer blew up. It's outside of my house. I don't have any power. Super. Fortunately, the power came back on, but there was still something wonky. The sound on both ends was wonky. I'm using Zoom these days. The whole point of me using Zoom is that it has... Much better sound than Skype. Not that day, Satan. Not that day. And I had to spend a lot of time making sure the levels were as best as they could be for everybody. It still sounds a bit wonky, but you know what? It still sounds better than Skype, okay? But this is Peaches Christ we're dealing with, man. She's got to have some quality sound to lift when she listened to me yabber on about her movie that she already knows how awesome it is, but that's neither here nor there. I spent four hours on Sunday editing that episode. And when I went to save it in Audacity, my editing program. It just went, oopsie, that file got corrupted. We can't access it anymore. La la. And I'm, I'm, scram- I'm freaking out. I called Mr. Brad, our tech guru, and, and, and I'm rifling through Audacity manuals. And it said, well, perhaps you should have saved it before you did that. I said, I was saving it, you idiot. And that is why we had that switcheroo yesterday. That's why we had to bump up the end of the line. But you know what? It's all it's all going to be fine (laughs) it's all going to be fine oh i forgot one detail of the recording disasters one 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 of the many disasters that happened the day that we recorded i was almost late for the session because i was coming home from manhattan 
And we sat in the subway tunnel for 45 minutes. No announcement, nothing. Now, of course, realize I have watched End of the Line at this point, the movie we talked about yesterday. So I am shitting pickles, and it is not cute. They're not even like tasty pickles. They're nasty pickles. (laughs) Nasty pickles is my dancing name on Tuesdays, but that's not the point right now. And then we finally, they, we got to Queensboro Plaza, which is kind of this, never mind. It's, it's, a, it's a big station, two stops away from my house. And they said, everybody off the train. There's no more service. You couldn't get on a bus. You couldn't get a taxi. It was raining. But fortunately, while I was in the tunnel, there was this very kind man, very kind bearded man with glasses, very attractive, who had a size nine shoe. Who kept me company and had, we were laughing and telling jokes the whole time. So it, he was delightful. He made that part wonderful. And he was going the same direction I was. So we went through the whole, we can't get a cab, we can't get a bus debacle either. And he said, why don't we just walk home? And I, 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 I and it was all I could do to keep from turning into every teenage girl in every high school romance movie ever. Because so I was just like, well, all right. All right, I guess so. Since <laughs> I hope I don't get accosted. Actually, I hope I do get accosted. But there's this long stretch of Queens Boulevard where it's under the subway tracks. You know, it's an overhead train. And there's no foot traffic there's just traffic traffic so there's nobody walking by and he says would you like to get high and he had a little one hit one little one hit pipe and after the day i've had and 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 you know trying to schedule all of these guests in the matter of two weeks i was like fuck yes sir yes i do i had two puffs on that thing and was wasted so when I got the message about the Transformer blowing up at Chris's house, I went from wasted to pothead paranoid. Now, I had already tried to counter the effects with two very large cups of Coffee Tossy. Coffee Tossy is a coffee shop near my house. Coffee Tossy. For coffee, for people, it's coffee for people who can't afford Starbucks. But that's not the point right now. So I'm this weird combination of spacey and really intense throughout the whole episode until I just collapse in a heap midway through. But I think that all kind of makes it magic. Listening back, I said, this is really, you know, this is why we do it sort of live, right? I got nothing. Anyway. Let me take you back to the night I saw All About Evil at its New York City premiere. The thing is, when I saw the show, and I'll talk about this in the episode, it wasn't just the movie. It was this whole event. It was. You know, it started at midnight, and there was stage shows and performers and singers and dancing mummies and dancing werewolves. And my Martini died. It was very tragic. You'll understand that later. But it was. It was a whole thing. And that kind of excitement just carried through the rest of the movie. You didn't even notice it was 3 o'clock in the morning by the time you left. You were so jazzed from it. And so I want to recapture just a little bit of that. So, ladies and gentlemen, may I am thrilled 
to bring to the Scream Queen stage the one, the only, the diabolically delectable Miss Peaches Christ singing Gore Gore Girl. in need of some fresh blood. What the f- It's only a movie. Meet Deborah. The board. Everyone is dying to be in her movies. All about evil. Coming soon. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is yet another leg of the journey on the countdown to Halloween marathon. Every molecule of my body hurts. I am in a terrible, terrible, terrible mood and in terrible, terrible pain. But yet here I am doing this again. Not for you. Well, yes, it's for you, but it's for those kids, man. It's for the children, damn it. 
And that is why I felt it particularly important at this particular junction of our trip that I needed to pick a movie that was fucking fabulous in the gayest possible way. And the only way I could do that was to have two guests join me who are also fucking fabulous in the gayest possible way. One, well, you've met him a few times before. He's a director. He directed Creatures from the Pink Lagoon, and he really loves robots. And the other is an actor who I was naked with on stage in the Underpants Godot. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, may I introduce to you Christiani and Jason Pintal. Hello, hello, hello. Happy Halloween. Yes. One of us is drinking a martini right now. I won't say who. It's me. Um, and I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for having me, Patrick. And now I am feeling left out because all I've got is a Diet Dr. Pepper that's room temperature because my power just came back on. You know what? That's still a victory, Chris, and I'm happy for you. <laughs> Thank you. Caffeine yeah. is king. boy. Hey, Patrick. How you doing? Oh, okay. I say, God damn it. I hit the clitoris. <laughs> <laughs> no, the listeners know. The listeners know this headset mic of mine has a little button on the wire that's a mute button. If you look at it funny, it goes off. And I'll be talking for 20 minutes and not realize that anybody, that nobody's hearing me. Oh, gosh. I call it the clitoris just because if you just you know, breathe on it, shit goes down. Oh, geez. Everything got, everything got crazy. I say, is, Jason. Is that what a real life clitoris is like? I'm, I don't have. I don't, I don't know. It's close enough from what I understand. I mean, it's, I mean, people can, I mean the, the only thing is, is that people can't find that clitoris, but apparently I'm really good at it. I lent this headset to Alyssa Simon, Jason. And how did that go over? When she was on. And I just said to her in passing, assuming that she listened to the show, I'm like, just, just watch out for the clitoris when you're using it. She's just like, I, I, I beg your pardon? <laughs> in that Alyssa nice. Simon way of hers. Yeah. Okay, so before, boys, before we get to the business, let's talk about you guys for a bit. Jason, since you're new, everybody's wondering, who's that handsome devil over there? Oh, you stop. Hey. Uh, Tell us about yourself, Jason, please. What's what's to say? I I live in New York. I just had my my 13-year anniversary. Yay, Uh, this will be the most unlucky year yet. Congratulations. (laughs) But you moved next door to me, so it's going to be horrible. (laughs) I did move next door to you, in fact. That's that's true. Uh, Yeah, I moved to Sunnyside about three months ago. I'm liking it very much. Called Sunnyside, but yet, oddly enough, very shady because of all the trees. Shady not in like a, in a you know, you know, rude sense, but like in literally shady. Oh, you just wait. Wait a few months so it'll get shady. <laughs> can't wait. Can't wait. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm an actor, I'm a singer, I'm a musician. I'm also uh, an office associate for a tech and software company because sometimes that happens in life. Um, yeah, so I'm doing that. Got my day job, uh, working my, my corporate life and... Uh, Occasionally, fun things come my way like this, so I'm I'm very happy to be uh, to be involved here, Patrick. Thanks for well, asking me. Pat. I'm thrilled you can you be here. I'm all, well on the way to having had the entire Underpants Cadillac cast show, <laughs> except Roberto. I'm not having Roberto on just on principle because he's oh, trash. I, I, <laughs> wow, that's no, something I understand completely. But all right, yeah, I just I will support you in your decisions. No, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. <laughs> I love everybody in that. I love cast. him too. I love him too. He's great. Yeah. Uh, you, um, well, we'll come back to you in your career stuff now. If you have anything to plug, we'll do that at the end. Uh, awesome. Jason, 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 I'm, Jason, I'm sorry. I am looking at your name on the screen, but thinking about Chris, 
I'm looking at Chris and saying, Jason, Jason, Jason. Three ways gets so complicated sometimes. You're on bottom, Patrick. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Come on. That's fine. You're used to it. Uh, it doesn't matter to me. So, Chris, what's going on in Christiani land? Christiani land. We haven't seen you since the chopping mall. Oh, chopping mall, such memories. Um, no, I am still in sort of development slash pre-production on the furry film that has been mm -hmm. just in development and pre-production for years and years now. Mm -hmm. Let's pretend we're bunny rabbits. Um, and also working on a couple of shorts that I'm hoping to get uh, get up on their feet very soon. Mm -hmm. um, creatures oh, the, oh, those kind of shorts. Okay, sorry. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I'm not wearing actual shorts, so you know, I've got to do something about that. Um, creatures from the Pink Lagoon is still sort of like existing in Russian pirate sites out there, which I am very grateful for because I get like various messages and likes on Facebook every week from people who've discovered it. You're huge in Botswana, man. Apparently, yeah, apparently yeah. It, it's quite lovely because you know it's been out of print for a couple of years now, but which is a crime. Well, it's there. There are plans. There are plans. The, the sort of the the Christiani five year um, plan includes a sequel to Creatures from the Pink Lagoon yes. that will um, coincide with a re release of the original. So okay, good, good, good. good fear good. not, gay zombie fans. The original will uh, have its day again. Yay! Yay! Because <laughs> I've been hanging out at that rest stop, and nobody sings and dances there anymore. God damn it! Just <laughs> such a bummer. And it's really funny, Chris. This is just me being high right now. Yes, allegedly. Um, Every time you say Christiani, it sounds like you're about to say Kirstie Alley to me. I get confused, but then I come back. So just okay, so you know that's been happening. <laughs> here's a hilarious side note about that. When I was 17, <laughs> I graduated from high school early and moved to Hollywood and told everyone in my shitty hometown that I was going to go be a movie star. And this um, co-worker of my aunt went into work one day at the, um, I don't know, the Rite Aid Pharmacy and said, oh my God, your nephew's already in, in a, a movie? And she's like, what are you talking about? And he said, oh, I was just watching TV and I heard Christiani on TV in a movie ad. And she said, what movie? And it was Shoot to Kill, starring Tom Berenger yeah, yeah. and yes, Kirstie Alley. Yeah, so and, uh, and uh, what's You're not the only one. Sidney Poitier, right? Yes, exactly. That was a fun movie. You were great in it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, well, that's nice. Well, you know, I guess that's hot, it's hard. You move out to Hollywood and discover that maybe you just don't have a certain kind of star quality. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. How's that for a segue? <laughs> oh, star quality, yes. The show must see go what, on. See what oh, I did there? See what I did there? See how that's, that's just why I'm a professional. Wow, so the movie, nailed it. The movie that we have chosen to talk about, I have actually covered on the show before. All the way back on episode two. Wow. And wow. since this movie is very important to the fact that Scream Queens exists at all, and also that now I'm more in contact with the, with the director and Peaches Christ and all the people involved with it, I thought it needed the, the full Scream Queens experience, you know, an immersion. Absolutely. Yeah, because it was my second show. Um, but yes, it's called all about evil. So, Jason. Yes, sir. Since you are new to the show, mm -hmm. I am assigning you, well, a little fun little task that I like to do, I guess. <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure, sure. What might this be? Jason. Yes. It is your job. No, scratch that. It is vitally important <laughs> that you give me a nice, tight, 
30-second elevator speech plot summary of All About Evil. And the clock starts now. Okay. Oh, oh. So, so Deborah, which is Debbie, is a little girl. Uh, her father thrusts her on stage, and 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 she's all nervous and shit. She kisses herself. And she gets electrocuted. And she gets a badass streak of white in her hair, and she essentially turns. But the, the seed of evil is planted at that point. Later on, she fast forward. I don't know how many years. Twenty years, and they're in the future, and she's she's running this movie theater that her father, who who is recently passed away, uh, his. Your time is up. <laughs> I got Jason, about seven Jason, minutes. Jason, 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 somewhere Doug Shapiro is shaking his head and feeling very sad. As an actor, you should know the 30-second pitch. <laughs> Chris, Chris, you want to give it a shot? Oh, sure. Why not? If we haven't embarrassed Jason enough with his complete ineptitude, let's just rub the salt in his wounds while we're here. Very inept. And, and hi, Doug Shapiro, if you're listening. Love you. Mean it. He's, he's, already, he's always listening, and he's, he already recorded his segment. Oh, fantastic. And Chris, back to you. We're waiting. All right. Clock starts now. And we have All About Evil, which is about a mousy librarian slash theater owner named Debbie, or Deborah, as she's later known, who, um, in a murderous rage, kills her mother slash stepmother, not sure, and realizes that she has a lust for blood and realizes that the audience at the theater that she's now running, that she inherited from her father, are uh, addicted to these, um, these realistic depictions of murder that are actually murder, and so she continues to commit them to um, the bloodlust of her audience and her own bloodlust until she uh, crosses paths with an uh, uh, earnest lover of horror cinema high school. That was much, much better than mine. <laughs> that was much better. That was much better. So yeah, you were, you, were, you, were, you, were, you, were, you were doing a plot encapsulation. <laughs> Looking for something. Like if you were going to sell me this script, what, what, would get, what would pique my interest? I should have told, not... told you that beforehand, but... You Why chose not to because you knew it would be audio brilliant. So where's, for where's the fun in that? Just hearing that wonderful deep basso voice going, ah, 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 it's hot for me. It's okay, good. I'm glad. I'm glad it was good for you. Oh, it was really good for me. And the listeners. Yeah, so All About Evil is directed by Joshua Grinnell. Joshua Grinnell is renowned throughout the San Francisco drag scene for his character of Peaches Christ. Uh. Mm. And Peaches Christ, for a long time, was associated with this whole midnight movie horror thing that they did every week. I, I just wish we had something like that here. It's like when I first heard about it, I was like, "That sounds amazing." It really does. I can't believe that I lived in Seattle for as long as I did, and never got down to San Francisco and 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 witnessed the glory. Yeah, I mean, she still does shows and stuff, but it's not that so much that anymore. And it would have been right. great. It's the Castro Theater and Midnight, the whole works. And that is actually how I saw. This movie, not in the Castro, right at, okay, gather round kids, story time, fireside chat. Yes, when, I, when I first started the show, the only reason it started was because I had yacked about doing this for so long that Bradford got tired of hearing about it and just bought me all the equipment and set everything up for me. Just, now shut up and do it. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's not anything he would say. I'd be like, well, here's all the equipment, honey. Why don't you just get to work now? Which is Southern for shut up and do it, fuckhead. But um, <laughs> I did one episode that was just kind of like, an, hi, this is what I plan on doing on the show. And then it sat there for four weeks. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to do this. Is there even an audience for this? And I was flipping through one of the gay rags 
you know, you get at the bars. And they Indeed. said that, you know, tonight at the Sunshine Cinema, Peaches Christ will be debuting her movie all about evil, and she's bringing her whole Midnight Mass cast, and it's going to be a whole party. And I'm like, hmm, that sounds like it could be fun. And it was there that I realized, here's my audience. There wouldn't have been a second episode had I not gone to that. So without Peaches Christ, this show would be nothing. Did, my, did I hit the clitoris again? I think you're good. Okay, because you guys got so quiet. Wasn't my storytelling? I was captivated. Mm-hmm. I didn't do a good job of telling it because, you know, <laughs> reasons. because of that boy in the subway and his horrible drugs. I thought it was a fantastic re- retelling of that. No, and, and, so this movie means a lot to me, and Peaches Christ means a lot to me, which means Joshua means a lot to me. So, Ooh, I think, oh, and, Chris just messaged, I think he's lost us. Oh. Yeah, did we lose Chris? Chris, you there? I think I got disconnected. There we go, he's chatting. Oh, boo. Greetings, this is Flam the Gargoyle, and uh, we interrupt this long, babbly program just to let you know that it is here in the podcast that Mr. Chris Diani, he dropped out of the call. He dropped out of the call for about 45 minutes. So I'm left having to sift through all of this Audio footage of Patrick and Mr. Jason Pintar just like blah 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 blah. We are so gay. Blah 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 blah. But you know what? Even though I am hell spawn and live for torture, mutilation, and suffering, oh, torture, mutilation, and suffering, I'm going to spare you this. I'm going to edit most of that out because. Well, I'm going to spare you the torture and the suffering. I'm going to leave in all the parts where Mr. Patrick started making on Jason Pintar like he was going to get somewhere with him. He's going to be so embarrassed that I played this on the show. He's going to be crying. He's going to be boo-hoo all over the place. And I'm going to lick it up and lick it up and lick it up. And wait, 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 it gets better. Because, get this, all of this is happening. When he's trying to impress his idol, Jesus Christ! <laughs> oh, fuck me, I'm evil. So please enjoy the humiliation of Mr. Patrick Walsh. Already in progress. <laughs> I'm leaving all this in, by the way. It's pretty scant- yeah. <laughs> Very much so. This is real life. This is real life, Patrick. Uh-huh. Yeah. Is this the real life? Or is it just fantasy? It's, it's just fantasy. Let's be okay, that's that's more accurate. Well this is this is how I, this is what I fantasize about being alone in an internet chat room with you. Right. Yes. And I and I just realized that you're well, I didn't just realize, but I'm just not going to comment on it, the fact that your screen name is real. Yes. And we see that's delightful. Is that your screen name for other sites? Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, I was somebody dubbed me Patrick the Red <laughs> ages ago, and it stuck. All right. Does Flora know? Is Flora aware? I, I bought her out. You bought. <laughs> <laughs> You're both better off for it. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, that was back in the days when my hair was actually red, red, and not cinnamon. Say it right. Cinnamon. Thank you. <laughs> and Parker, do, you, do your listeners know about cinnamon? 
Oh, yes, please. <laughs> of course they know about cinnamon. Good, good, good. Of course, it's one of those tales that I had to immediately tell. <laughs> Terrifying. I was delighted. I was delighted upon the retelling. Mm-hmm. That's why you moved here. <laughs> exactly. exactly. I, I, I want her to say that to me. Yes, I want to be closer to, uh, to, to Cinnamon Lady. Yeah. And when we were waiting for you to get on the call, uh, when, you, when your screen name first popped up, but you weren't attached yet, mm-hmm. I just started going, die, die, Chris is like, what are you doing? I'm like, that's how we talk to each other. It's really cute. It's true. So we're going to do that for the rest of the call. Indeed. Hey, Chris, are you back? <laughs> Chris goes in. Chris goes out. Chris goes oh, in. Good. Chris goes out. That's how he likes to roll. Yes. For anybody who might be familiar with the musical adaptation of, uh, gosh, now it's out of my head because it's been a long day. That's uh, a weird title for a musical. <laughs> <laughs> the Brady Sinalis novel. Uh, about a serial killer, for okay. goodness sake. Hush, hush, hush. Oh. Hello? It's me. Hang on one second. All right. Okay. We'll just sit here and wait. Jesus Christ. <laughs> we'll just sit here in abject silence waiting for you to get your ass back in here. Jesus Christ, Chris. Uh, am I here now? Now you're here. Yes. Okay. So we're flying wild here. I unplugged the headphones and apparently just shouting into my computer is the way it's going to go. So, hi. Awesome. Welcome back. What I missed. We were talking about how we, we talk to each other, and American Psycho was the title I was searching. Oh, thank you. Okay, good. Three there hours later. Oh, my God. American Psycho, the stage musical adaptation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patrick Bateman's fiance is this very uh, vapid, shallow individual who, throughout the course of the, the play, musical, when she addresses him, uh, it gets more and more ridiculous, but it's essentially, when she, when she says his name. So that's how I address Patrick when I see him in person. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah it's a little bit American Psycho, a little bit detox. After four hours of that, people are like, enough. enough. Okay, so where were we? Oh, yeah, we're, oh, we're talking about Peaches Christ. And, um, yeah, so anyway, just this long story short is that without Peaches... I'm nothing. So I wanted to do a really bang up job and get you guys together. And of course, it's been a complete nightmare. <laughs> Scheduling like 30 seconds before we started. Chris calls up and says, uh, transform exploded in my neighborhood. We have no power. Son of a bitch. Right. Son of a bitch. It's like, it's like the devil was at work. Yes. Yeah, so this, let's talk about the cast for a minute because the cast in this is bananas. And I mean bananas in the best possible way. Quite. Quite. <laughs> And the head banana is, of course, Natasha Leone. Oh, he is a banana and just so lovely and, and delightful. Yeah, yeah. She was actually, she was at the, uh, the thing in New York as well. And it was great to hear her talk about the movie and stuff. And her, she was talking with Peaches. And they're both lifelong horror addicts, which is nice to hear. And oh, gosh, I just forgot the woman's name. Uh, is that Chris, Peterson? No, Chris, if you know, uh, uh, like an uh, like director from the seventies, female Jewish, did terrible movies like Dolores Fishburne. Is that right? No. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie King. 
If that is not a movie, it fucking needs to be because that's fantastic. No, I can't think of no. It's an actual director. Like she did trashy, 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 trashy movies, like really bottom of the barrel. But it was a woman in Hollywood saying, "I don't give a shit. I'm making my movies my way." I'm sorry. It's probably more like I'm in Hollywood. I'm making my own movie. <laughs> I'm making it my own way, and it was a big inspiration for her. And so, yeah. So that was cool. No, her performance is is phenomenal. And so much fun to watch this weird kind of John Waters vibe. Oh, absolutely. Without being John Waters, which I like. Including his leading leading lady or, I don't know, like longest lady, uh, Mink Stoll. Mink Stoll, yes. In a key role. She actually had a moment in this when she's talking to um, Deb, Deborah. um, Deb. Not, not Deborah when she's still Deb right after her father died and she's like I, I understand how it is after I know how it is to be a woman alone in this city and of course my mind just went to I'm a, I'm a divorced woman please, please help me I'm sorry I'm put the lines together yes uh, I love Ming Stoll uh, in particular the moments throughout Patrick do you have That's your letters on sorry Got very quiet. That was confused. No clitoris. Yes, moments in the film where it got super, super real uh, included moments in which she was being tortured, and I was, I was uh, getting uh, very, very immersed and uh, uncomfortable, which I think yeah. was to the point. Uh, yes. So thank you for that, Mink. I appreciate it. You're fading a bit, Jason. Can you hear me now? Yes. All right, there we go. I will adjust my microphone. Just hold it right in front of your mouth. Me too, hashtag. Me yeah, too. so Mint Stoll's in it, and also Cassandra Peterson, a.k.a. Indeed. Elvira. This was the performance that blew me away in this movie. Mm-hmm. I thought she was fantastic. She was. There is not a trace of Elvira to be seen. Except I mean, for the this, poster. In well, I, mean, I mean, in the character. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, for sure. And I was so wrapped up in it because I liked the way it was portrayed. It could have gone the usual horror movie mom. Which would be like you can't you have to you can't go to art school you have to go to one of these colleges you have to stop doing these watching these horror movies blah 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 nag 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 while that was there it was always so much love underneath it yeah that it surprised me I'm like it was a layer that I didn't expect yeah and it was so grounded absolutely and as a well, result it was necessary for the climax to have that connection between the mother and son totally. yeah. Yeah, but still, they took a lot of time with it and a lot of care. And I said, that was really nice. Their relationship is really nice, which meant about halfway through the movie, I realized, oh, no. <laughs> She'd be in danger. We like her too much. They're going to kill this poor woman. And I spent the rest of the movie being terrified for Cassandra Peterson. And that's what I want to be in a horror movie. I like characters that I care about. Indeed, and as much as I appreciated the camp value that, that Deb Deborah had, and I was rooting for her at times toward the end, I didn't want her to win, and I absolutely wanted you know the good the good guys to prevail, and uh, because of that relationship, I absolutely felt that. So that was definitely there. That's right. That's a good point. That's a good yeah. point, Jason. That there is a shift there. Absolutely. Because you know we see from the beginning of the movie that Deb Deborah is a victim. Mm-hmm. She's always been at the bottom of the pecking order. Her whole life, you know, from the beginning, like the opening scene, which is very John Waters. Oh my gosh, yes. Because her, her father's making her perform at the theater in some like Tots talent show. And like Jason said, she pees, <laughs> she wets herself, which then causes her to electrocute herself with the microphone. With the mother cackling on the sidelines. Oh yeah, the, mo- the, mother, the mother is, it might as well have been a drag queen. She's drag queen you know, evil. The- Face it. Your father knew deep down inside that you were useless. You're one of those plain girls living in the world of the bland. You lack any sort of star quality. 
the, 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 the witch witch of the west too what's happening <laughs> right if you didn't get it that this is an evil woman she's dressed as the wicked witch of the west i thought it was devon green at first and i had oh. to go on IMDb and like is it devon no it's not devon green oh don't don't bring up devon green because we'll, oh, be sure no, oh. we'll be here all night. No, we'll be here all night because we love Devin Green. Because I'll start He's quoting. Brilliant. I'll start quoting. Welcome to my house, and it'll all be over. Yeah, never met a carrot I didn't like, except for this one. As long as, <laughs> as long as it doesn't make me bleed or cry, I'm not trying anything. <laughs> the mother character felt like she was shipped out of sleepaway camp. She felt like yes. Crazy <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I like. Yeah, which is what I was a neat thing to see is that there are high camp things mm-hmm. in this as well. But yet, there's also some very grounded things. As Joshua mentioned, I'm uh, sorry, as Jason mentioned. Yet, it never feels unbalanced. It's a nice court, and like Jason was saying earlier, you do turn on Deborah after a while. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. It's not one because uh, it's not one of those movies where you want the bad guys to win. And she actually has a monologue about that at the end. Or somebody does. I forget who. I'll play the audio for it. It'll be brilliant. Well, and it just dawns on me at one point that the, her her plan is just not sustainable. Like, like as, as, as much as the police are a kind of a non-presence for the first half of this movie, like, mm-hmm. she's not picking her victims with any kind of logic or, or um, I don't know, just, like, smarts when it comes to, like, the victims not being missed. Yes. So what's yeah. happening is her father has passed away. She's inherited the theater. She wants to keep it running. It's struggling. I mean, it's dying. It's dying the slow, horrible death. Her evil mother shows up because she also partially inherited, says that she's going to sell it to Bed Bath & Beyond, make a gazillion dollars. Shit goes down and Deborah winds up stabbing her in the heck with a pencil, uh, with a pen or something. But what Deborah doesn't know is that the security cameras are catching all of this. And through a whole um, convoluted... It is convoluted. You convoluted bit of electronic <laughs> hoo-ha. The, the, the security camera footage winds up getting broadcast out to the screen where people are watching the movie. Which would never happen in real life, let's be real. However, suspension of disbelief. Jason, as we established in our off-call time, that this is not the real life. This is just fantasy. Just, that's accurate. Yes, this is just fantasy. Yeah, so it totally works. And so this puts the seed in her head that she's going to start making these mini movies. Yeah, I'd like to Murdering talk people. about the, the trigger that gets pulled here because I, it, I had to watch a couple times. Like, is it the blood that, may, that triggers her or is it just like, is she feeling free now that the mother's out of the picture? Because she really transforms like in, in just a split second from mousy, you know, getting her hand burned on the popcorn machine librarian to full-on bloodbath <laughs> serial killer. Yeah, it, it doesn't take long for that, no. for that, for that caterpillar to cocoon itself and come right back out. No, I, she's stabbing the hell out of the woman. <laughs> Indeed. Well, I think, that, and quoting movies while she's doing it. Like, yeah, inadvertently exactly. quoting yeah. movies, which I thought was fabulous. Kill her, Robin! Kill her! I want I thought that maybe the, the um, having her hand 
burned on the popcorn machine brought back the trauma of oh, the wow. Oh, wow. You are, you, you are the She was triggered, if I may use a word. Yeah, she was triggered at that moment. Right. Yeah, but then immediately, I think what it was, it was a couple of things that worked happening. One thing I noticed, she's, she's covered in blood by the end of this. And she starts like, it's, it's in her hair, but she starts kind of like fixing her hair with it. I'm going, and she's fixing it. Since I've seen the movie before, I'm like, oh, she's actually pushing it up into the hairstyle it's going to be at the end. <laughs> blood makes me poor. Foreshadowing. It's her first taste of power. Mm-hmm. And then immediately afterwards, that uh, Thomas Decker, who we forgot to mention, the lovely little Thomas Decker, yes, comes out and tells her how great it was. Exactly. And you're exactly. a genius. It was, and, it was the, the audience reaction from that moment. And her father always told her that she was going to be a star because she's got star quality. Remember all your lines, honey? There's nothing to be worried about. You're, you're going to be great. Remember something, Debbie. You've got something these other kids don't have. Star quality. Yes. And you've gone from from seeing her as a child having audiences laugh at her while she's pissing herself, electrocuting herself, and then finally having an audience in in the same theater now lauding her. It was a turning point for her, damn it. Yes, yes. Because, I mean, mean, nobody ever laughs when I pee myself and electrocute. Well, the turning point is facilitated by the um, the projectionist at the theater, Mr. Twiggs. Again, John Waters' name. That's a total John Waters' name. (laughs) Well, and with Natasha Leone's accent, at first I thought he was named Mr. Tweaks. (laughs) Oh no, that's 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 Noah. That's that. Oh gosh, I forgot his name. Sorry, I have to fix it. Keep talking. I have to look somebody up. Well, and I loved that he. the, the way to get him out of the theater for the murder, the first murder, was that he had to go and get some mouthwash. But he comes back with a you know, with a um, uh, brown paper bag. And I'm thinking, oh, that wasn't mouthwash. He oh, needed. I didn't catch that at all. Yeah, he was, he was an alky. He needed, he needed a little pick-me-up before he Mouth, Mouthwash was code. Yes. Oh, well, technically he is washing his mouth out with it. Yeah, and there is alcohol in scope. Exactly, there is alcohol. There we go. Yeah. But it was delightful to see this creepy character just sort of like run with it as soon as, soon as he saw the dead body. Yeah, well, clearly she was not a likable woman. Oh no! Oh, <laughs> that that well, character had, had no no positive traits whatsoever. And he had a uh, confrontation with her on the way to get his mouthwash too. So you know All he right. had uh, every reason to dislike her just as, or maybe not just as much, but you know as much as Debbie did. When Debbie did Dallas. No, that's I'm sorry. <laughs> so I was looking somebody up on IMDb to get their name, and I found out that the mother's name is Tammy uh, Tammy Tennis. Another John Waters name. <laughs> oh, oh, very much so. <laughs> yeah. Where it's are It's in you? order of appearance. Oh, okay. That's why he doesn't show up till later. I'm just because um, I'm going to be talking about him later because I love him, and I'll fix this in post. This is Flam de Gargoyle again, just letting you know I'm not fixing shit in post. No, sorry, Bob. Because not only is he going to embarrass himself in front of Beatrice Christ, he's going to embarrass himself in front of Noah's thinking to be like, oh, he's so dreamy. I hope he never finds out. Guess what, bitch? He knows. <laughs> what are you looking for, Mr. Twigs? No. Oh. No, I'm looking for Noah, Noah Segan. Oh, from Brick. Yeah, I mean, he's, he does tons and tons of independent horror movies, that guy. Okay, we'll, we'll come back to him because I have to gush about him because he's going to marry me yeah, someday. He's awesome. <laughs> It'll be a spring wedding. Yeah, so now the movies are getting introduced with these short films, which are also PSAs for movie etiquette. 
mm-hmm. which I appreciated. I did as well. I love those. Yeah. And I just, they, they go, they, it goes from this thing that happened by accident to Grand Guignol over the top like that. And I don't care because it's completely bonkers. The thing is, what I didn't get to say before was that when we went to the screening at the Sunshine was that it wasn't just the movie. There was a whole party beforehand. It was like, you know, several stage shows and several performances. So by the time the movie rolled around, we are hyped to the gills. So it was a great, great way to see it. And I forgot my point. I'm so high right now. <laughs> You're hiding it well. You're hiding it very well, Patrick. I had a point. What were we just talking about? I don't know. <laughs> Fuck you, Paul. Just put- the, the PSA is over the top. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So when... When that poor girl is being chased, that poor like suicide girl type girl, oh yeah, chased around the theater, and then out of nowhere, Natasha Leone just starts screaming, "It was the best of times! It was the worst of times!" What the fuck's going on? Uh, this, <laughs> this makes no sense, but I love it. Oh, but it makes sense when we see the movie poster for that one. Absolutely, <laughs> because they call it drumroll, please. A tale of two severed titties. Which yes. is wonderful. It's Which so actually dope. was the original title of the novel. <laughs> <laughs> that Dickens. <laughs> You're like, Chuck, this isn't going to sell. Goodness. I love the tagline on the poster for A Tale of Two Severed Titties, too, which is, it's the worst of times, dot, 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 for you. Oh, because I saw the other tagline that said, because one is never enough. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was the top tag. And then the bottom tag was about uh, worst of times. Yeah, so this, yeah, so, yeah, she just picks this girl randomly out it's of the- Well, I, I thought it was random, too, but she and Peaches Christ did share a moment where they sneered at her because she was talking on the phone with whoever, you know, whoever's in Wisconsin or wherever she's from. She was extolling the virtues of spaghetti. And they both kind of like scoffed spaghetti. <laughs> and I think that's why she was targeted. That because she's new to town and nobody would miss her. But, yeah, because you know, we, yeah, we established that. And because uh, I was saying, I can't, I mean, she, her, her movie is about talking on, on the phone during the movie, mm-hmm. which she was not doing. No. She was in the lobby. That's totally valid. But yeah, the spaghetti might have been too much. Right. And also, she said she was a gore-gore girl. She did say that, yes. And that's, that's one of Peaches Christ's taglines. She's got a whole song about it. She's a whore for the gore. She's a gore-gore girl. <laughs> oh! I felt that line felt very, very deliberate, and I was curious to know why. Thank and you. now you know. Now you know. Thank you. All right. You're welcome. You're welcome. Had they not performed this, had they not performed the song before the movie, I wouldn't have gotten it either, so I'm not that smart. So. There we go. <laughs> But the whole thing, this scene is really long. And it would be painfully, like, uncomfortable had this girl's performance not been completely goofy. Yes. Because, I mean, she's being tortured. And, you know, because it's because the setting is, of course, the French Revolution, so they have to have a guillotine, but they can't fit her head in the guillotine. Oh, which is just such a delightful scene. They just try and try and just slamming this poor girl's head against the frame of the guillotine. Oh, it's so lovely. You idiot! Fool! I said a proper guillotine! I gave you the book! At this rate, she gets a much-needed nose job! Did you even read the book? I'm mad. What are we supposed to do? So what's the next, what's the next viable solution? (laughs) 
Slice off her titties. <laughs> it was the best of times. And because you used your cell phone during the film, my dear, it truly was the worst of times. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Victoria Theatre, where we kindly ask you to silence your cell phones before the picture begins. <laughs> it, it's worth mentioning that she had hit, had become topless uh, while whilst being pursued by Mr. Twig. So uh, when she is in the room, she is her breasts are exposed. That's where they get the idea. Right. Yes. That, yes. that becoming topless scene is so hilarious too, because basically she just pulls away and the top just like just tears right off, like it does in horror movies. Indeed. Oh, I know all about tops coming. I mean, out. I just know that if Alison Nowacki was watching and she would breathe a sigh of relief. She'd be like, ah, good, I got my titties. <laughs> Did she it's, ever? No, one of the frequent guests of the show, she comes on a lot with her husband, Brian. Uh, they just did an episode, just uh, like one or two ago, for, uh, on Dr. Giggles, and she's not. she will yell at me if I sign her a movie with no tits in it. <laughs> she has her standards. She does. They're low. <laughs> well, actually, they're not low. They're chest height. I was going to say they're perky and buoyant. Buoyant. Yeah, I like that word. And my tits can also be used as a flotation device. <laughs> um, yeah, so that, of course, is another big hit. So more and more people coming in. The movies, uh, the theater is becoming more and more successful. And she has become like this old Hollywood inspired caricature of herself, which is fabulous. She's Quite. playing I Camp Norma Desmond, like evil Norma Desmond for all of this. And I love it. Oh yeah, she, it's all. She's almost becoming a Cecil B. Demented, yes, character. Like she's just taking on this this larger than life role, and it's just it's awesome. Even the way she does her makeup, for goodness sake! They're oh very, my gosh, when yeah. she had those cute those cupid doll lips. The doll lips, yeah. She's like, <laughs> the doll lips are so delightful. Yeah. And and of course we have to um, re-mention that she does start pronouncing her name Deborah. Deborah, and I wonder, I wonder if Debbie Gibson, when she became Deborah Gibson, if she had changed it to Deborah Gibson, then maybe it would have hung around longer. It's entirely possible. Deborah Gibson. Only if she started recording like emo covers. That would have been an option for her. Uh, did you not hear? Did you not? <laughs> I was about to say, did you not hear the Mega Python versus Gatoroid soundtrack? And then I realized, why would you? <laughs> I didn't know there was one. Oh yes, there is. Both Tiffany and her have a cut on it. Oh my gosh! Since they started in it now, but that's another that we already covered that movie years ago. <laughs> well, but uh, on the on the flip side of this, we have Thomas Decker, who is the US character. He is the horror movie fan who loves the Soul Theater. He loved her dad because he the uh, dad taught him all about horror movies and stuff. And he's the one who doesn't really fit in at school as much, and you know the. The teachers and the principal are always looking at him funny because he likes horror movies and they're afraid there's going to be another combine. You know, we get him. He's the, he's the us in the movie. Indeed. He is. And what I liked about him and his whole segment is that the kids in it, the other, him and the other actors, I mean, I know he's, he's a well-established actor, but the other characters particularly, 
they didn't feel like they came out of central casting. Like they felt like and got stuck into these like gothy outfits. Right. Like these, I'm like, you kids showed up looking like this. This is you. Because <laughs> I hate that. I hate that when you see these movies with kids playing caricatures. Yeah. Of these characters, it wasn't here. They felt very natural, which I appreciated. Or like 35 year olds playing teenagers. Yeah, they were about the right age too. Yeah, they, were not, to it. They, they were not Gabrielle Carteris in Beverly <laughs> Hills 90210. Not everyone is going to get that reference, but you know what? I, I went for it. Oh, you're in good company, honey. We're okay, all... thank you. Thank oh, you. I, went, I was there with you. I was there with you. I, was just like, I would also like to mention that I love Gabrielle Carteris, and I hope that was not taken as an insult should she be listening. <laughs> oh, she knows she was too old for yeah, that. All right, there we go. There we go. And so was, so was, uh, not, uh, so was Luke Perry, for that matter. Sorry, I digress. All right, now you've crossed the line. <laughs> Leave this house at once and do not return. This, this just got real. This just got very real. But as we've established, this is just fantasy. So let's go. Oh, good point. Good point. Well, yeah, keep reminding me of that. So what's happening around all of this, too, is that, well, you know, I, you can't make a movie by yourself. Tabor needs a film crew. So little by little, this weird collection of dangerous people are starting, crew of misfits. are starting to find their way to the theater and become part of her gang. And there's these fabulous twins, uh, fabulous evil so, twins. I'm sorry. I love both of them. Do they even actually have any lines? They had at oh, least yeah, one. I can't yeah, even some, remember. There were, there there were was, moments when, when they could have spoken and they didn't. So I, I'm trying to even remember if they actually spoke. Well, that's most moments, but I think they had a few key lines. No, right. they spoke at least once. I know when Noah Segan shows up, who we'll come back to in just a moment. I'm here <laughs> saving Noah Segan the last oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, When they first pick him up and they make him watch the movie, and he's talking about, well, that girl had some gnarly tits. <laughs> she deserved to die. And he, he was watching it with the twins. Oh, yes, in the Utah. Yes, you're correct. Hello, ladies, are you mute, deaf, huh? Do you have your own language? Are you mentally challenged? Are you actually blonde? <laughs> She's murdering her actors. She's murdering them for real. I think those might be their only lines in the whole film though, honestly. Because they're just menacing, this menacing presence. To this you know, they're, they're Wednesday Adams from hell times two. Times two, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and they're fa- I just love them. I love them both. Even though they have no lines, they're fabulous. They're just, they command your attention when they're on screen. And I love their little evil, sexy t- uh, ticket girl outfits. Indeed. Oh, so lovely. They, um, and they're specifically recruited because they're killer children who were institutionalized until their 18th birthday and Natasha Leone sees on the news or in the newspaper that they're getting out and poses as their aunt or cousin, something, in order to, to spring them and give them a new life murdering theater goers. Mm-hmm. The parallels to the musical Annie are undeniable at that moment. <laughs> She's like Lily St. Regis and Rooster being oh, like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got you. Ladies and gentlemen, we just hit a new gay level here on Scream Queens. It's been eight years, and it turns out, yes, we can get gayer. That's how you build me, buddy. I'm just trying to live up to my <laughs> to the expectation. Wow. <laughs> Easy, strange. <laughs> exactly. And listener Trey Dean just got a boner, by the way. <laughs> he loves Annie. He had an Annie lunchbox as a kid. <laughs> so. Aww. 
Aww. he never got beaten up for it. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure everyone accepted that. <laughs> and um, another recruit is Noah Segan, who is, I, they call him Gadrian at one point. Right. And I he think does have a bit of a swish. Yeah, he's, he's kind of swishy. But I, I think he's supposed to be like a meth head because his teeth are all fucked up and stuff. But whatever he is, he's just another crazy person. They witnessed him beat the hell out of an old lady with a cane. Oh, that scene is pure John Waters. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's because it's, it's, it's this, like, you know, woman in, dripping in furs and jewels. <laughs> he just attacks the hell out of her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's just happened to be walking by at just the right time. And, yeah, so he's recruited. And I love Noah Segan. I'm always happy to see Noah Segan pop up in a movie. He does so much independent horror stuff, and he's always fantastic. Yeah, he's great. I, I love him. The first time I saw him was in Brick. And uh, I love that Ryan Johnson continues to use him because he was in um, his subsequent films as well. And he's just so good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And normally in the horror stuff, he plays creepy characters. Yeah, he has the right face for it. He does. He does. And he's willing to go places. Which is why I was thrilled when he was in Starry Eyes. He was actually not that. Oh. And I said, so, okay, so this is the movie I can show my mother when we get engaged. <laughs> She'll approve of the union. <laughs> She'd be like, Segan, that doesn't sound Irish. <laughs> what was that? Was there a hyena in your, in your house? Oh, that, was, that was me. I speak like this, but there is a range, and when I laugh, it sometimes goes up there. Oh, I know. Yes, yes. I, it's, it's true. It's true. He goes, for, he goes from Big Macho Man to Little Girl in <laughs> I have, I have a high-pitched giggle, and that's, that's the way Jesus made me, and I can't help it. Can't help it. Always auditioning. Listen to my range. <laughs> Dine on, you crazy diamond. Thank you. Then we go back to Mink Stoll. Oh, yeah. Because she, she, she uh, you know, committed the terrible crime of pounding on the theater door when Deborah wasn't ready to receive visitors. Right, right. And I love that De- Deborah has this little monologue about how loud she is. Right. What really? At no, at no point in this movie is being so loud. Right. She's kind of mousy and concerned. It's a totally imagined flaw, which I think is fine for the movie. But if man, this girl, this woman got punished for something she didn't even do. Well, she does. She does sort of like, I wouldn't say yell, but she does sort of call out at the end of her shift. Good night, books. Which is both, you know, vaguely The loud library's and- closed. She's the librarian. The librarian can be loud in the library. She's the one who's loud. And yet still they shush her. All they the shushing. Oh, yes. That's true. I, I did appreciate that. That was creepy, though. It was creepy. And I will say to, to, to laud Mr. Mr. Tw- was it t- oh, my gosh. What's his name? Twigs? Twigs. Mr. Twigs. Mr. Twigs and Berries. Indeed. Mr. Twigs and Berries. He provides some lovely moments of levity when it starts to get very, very realistic with the, the people that are being tortured and killed and whatnot. After the, spoiler alert, uh, the beheading of Mick Stoll's librarian character, <laughs> upon, upon the beheading, he does say, she told you to shush. <laughs> I laughed my ass off for a good 30 seconds because that made yeah. me very happy. Yeah, I, I appreciate that too because... Like you said, he, he brings levity to those moments, but it's not like a Freddy Krueger punchline. Exactly, exactly. Well, and that's right before Ming Stoll delivers what is a, a pure John Waters line when she calls him, you illiterate old fuck. Oh, you motherfucker! You let me out! 
Totally. <laughs> Let me out of here, you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> because, of course, she's a librarian through and through, and she could tell he's not a reader. <laughs> yeah, and this was, this was gruesome. Because they chase her, they chase poor Mink Stoll through the library, and so her mouth shut. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, that was, that was a little disturbing. Frankly. That was a little disturbing, but what was worse for me, because it, I had a visceral, like, deep gut reaction to it, was when, because they don't kill her. No. They saw her, her mouth shut, and they throw her up in the, I guess, attic, for want of a better word, of the movie theater where all the other bodies are piling up. But she's alive. She's just all tied up and with her mouth shown up, sewn up. And she's trying to get out, and she's starting to realize there's bodies all over the place, and she turns one way, rolls one way, and there's one right in her face. The rotting mother's right in her face. And she screams, and when she screams, she ripped out all the stitching. Oh yeah. yeah, that was that was that was a, a special moment. Oh yeah, but no, I applaud that. Oh, it was so well done because when she opens the mouth, there's like chunks of lip that are still attached to the, uh, the side. And yeah, it's, just, it's really well done. Mad, mad kudos to the makeup effects in this film. Absolutely. Seriously. Well, and when she's getting her her mouth sewn shut, it's I was really wondering if like you know Mink was method and was like actually letting Natasha Leone through her lip because I could not like her nostrils were like sucking in in a weird way that I thought okay that's where the prosthetic starts but it was if it was that's a really good prosthetic because I was convinced that her lip was being punctured by that needle. Same yeah. here, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a very long scene. Of, it's, it's well, I don't know. It's probably not. It's probably like forty five seconds, but it feels like forever. Yeah. In, the, in a good way. That's what you're supposed to be thinking. Indeed. Right. Oh, gosh. And there's all kinds of teen nonsense going on, which isn't as important or as interesting, even though it is the hero's journey. But, man, he, I mean, he's, seen, he's friends with this girl. Um, Judy. Judy. Judy, Judy, Judy. Not the one who got, not the, one who got the uh, curling iron in her hooch. Sleepaway camp. A different Judy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Was her name Judy? Was her name oh. Judy. That is one of the most horrifying death scenes ever committed to celluloid. It's just, oof. I will argue that she didn't get it in the hooch. <laughs> I feel like she probably did. Everybody else did. Which means she probably did. I was like, I was. It's a child. <laughs> it's a child. Savage. That movie is savage. <laughs> yes, it is, and that's why we're covering it to close out. Oh. Uh. Such a classic. Yeah, so the, the, we're doing a live show from the Rock Bar in November. It's going to be sleepaway camp. Yay. Where were uh, we? Oh, oh, yeah. Well, he's, so he's got his, his, his friend Judy. It's not his girlfriend. No. Which is unclear at first until Claire saunters over to their cafeteria it's Fucking table. Claire. Oh. <laughs> Claire's the worst. <laughs> in, in the best possible way. We all hate Claire. But there is... Um, this character of uh, Thomas Decker's sexuality is called into question at a certain point by his mom in the most loving way possible. It didn't need to be in the movie, but I was happy that it was. I felt like I that agree. was a meta moment because, you know, Thomas Decker's sexuality has been called into question many times to the point where he finally did have to come out. Yes. Yes. But, and and this was, this was definitely made before he came out. Oh, so well, I thought, before this, yeah. 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 I thought, Ooh, we're, we're uh, skating on thin ice there because his manager is the one who kind of tried to put the kibosh. I don't know if you heard that. Thank you, Clockpot. Um, <laughs> that was fantastic. <laughs> um, Chris's vagina just kind of was, <laughs> wow. just decided to chime in on the show. 
Shove a curling iron in there. That'll shut it up. <laughs> nah. <laughs> give it to there. All right. Um, give, it, give it body and lift. Yeah, when Thomas Decker was on Heroes, the um, the character who was playing was going to have a gay arc, and his manager put a stop to it because he didn't want it getting out that that Thomas Decker was gay. But people talked about it, in particular Brian Fuller, um, to the point where it just became this sort of open secret, and it was it, it almost interfered with him getting on um, the Sarah Connor Chronicles and. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it was a big thing. But he and then Brian Fuller talked about it again because that queen can't keep her mouth shut. And um, you know, it's it sort of started people talking openly about his sexuality again. And that's when he came out on Instagram and announced, "P.S. I got married to my husband four months ago." At a girl. Yeah, so he's all he's all set. And none of you were invited. Yeah. Hopefully <laughs> <laughs> you, Brian Fuller. <laughs> oh, poor guy. Yeah, well, I just brought just wanted. To- Bring that up. That it, that it, it was. God damn it! Words got hard all of a sudden. <laughs> you, were so you were so high, Patrick. Allegedly. Yet somehow still cognizant, and I appreciate it. So thank you. Hmm? <laughs> you, you heard me. I will not repeat myself. I don't know. He said something about cognizance. <laughs> I had that once. I got the shots. It's fine now. Now, is when, when is the little gay moment with Thomas Decker, is that also when we see the poster of Elvira on his wall? Yeah, it's kind of weird. that yeah, It was kind of a weird meta moment to have a picture of your mom in a swimsuit over your bed. Well, as he, as he mentions that he's in love with an older woman. Yeah. And she looks yeah. to, the, to the poster of Elvira, and it's like, ooh, that's a weird moment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was, that, I appreciate it just because that's really the only kind of self-aware winky-wink thing in the movie right and a movie that could have been filled oh with that, wink, yeah. wink behind the mo- kind of humor and i'm grateful it wasn't frankly mm-hmm. 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 okay carry on for a second please i'm trying to look something up just talk is, about is yourself the cl- is, the, is the clitoris acting up again patrick he's googling you know, how long it takes to come down He's very concerned for his well-being. He's become You're embarrassing me in front of Peaches. <laughs> <laughs> Fix it in post. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah so, so Thomas Decker having a poster of Elvira on his wall is a little weird, but, but it is, it, it's such a great little wink. Because honestly, nice she's unrecognizable wink. when she's not in the black wig and the, and the outfit. Like, she... Mm-hmm. You know, I knew it was her because I, I knew that she was in it. But, like, it took me a minute when she come, came on screen to actually yes. realize that it was her. And yeah. not even a hint of decolletage in her. No. What is you with the big words? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I went there because you know what? I know stuff. So I went and I know it. stuff, too. Because I recognize <laughs> that was a big word. Well, and I love that. Uh, oh, no, mom- thanks. I had the decolletage for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I couldn't possibly. <laughs> Do you have a vegan option? Um, <laughs> she, uh, I love that she then comments later when Natasha Leone is wearing something that's a little revealing. She actually says, what is she wearing? Yes. Revealing? You thought that was revealing? Well, it was black and it was, I don't think it was super low. It, it's definitely not an Elvira. No, I mean, it's a, I mean so her, her outfits get more and more bizarre yeah, as oh, they yes. go on, as the movie goes on. Like, because it's, it's it was kind of, I don't, well, there was layers to that skirt. You know, it was almost 
uh, it was a skirt that he would always have a bustle with. <laughs> Indeed. And this, but this kind of leather jacket type top. So I think that was a legitimate time to ask, what is she wearing? <laughs> well, is that the outfit that she had the big pink ribbon on her shoulder too? Oh. <laughs> is that for breast cancer awareness? It's October. Just making sure. <laughs> I think it, I, well, if it is, it's a great joke because of course she's just severed someone's titties. So. Deborah, yeah, yeah, Deborah don't give a shit about no breast cancer. Deborah cares about Deborah. It was a devil mastectomy. Uh-huh. That's true. <laughs> wow. Uh, so, yeah. So we, ha- we were at the point where Claire arrives. Who's and, awful. Yeah. And she's awful. And, but, but she has heard that our boy Steven might be close to Deborah. And she, you know, is following all the trends. And so she wants to she wants to go to the movies with him on Friday. And she can't go to her, go by herself or go go with any of her her friends. So she wants him to take her. Right, because he personally knows Deborah. She wants you know she's a star fucker basically. Um, and and she's on her little. You say that like it's a bad thing. <laughs> oh no, I was saying it with admiration. <laughs> um, and of course, you know she's got her little gem encrusted cell phone that um, that she. Flashes in front of uh, excuse me, gem encrusted flip phone. Flip phone, yes. It Everyone has flip phones in this movie. I'm always amused by the amount of flip phones that are in horror movies. Like no matter when they're made, it's always a flip phone. <laughs> <laughs> Note to self: use flip phones in my next. Movie. It could be another okay. drinking game cue. Oh yes. Yeah. Um, Chris stopped by when we did a screening of Creatures from the Pink Lagoon. For, for my listeners, and he made a drinking game out of it since he knows the movie better than anyone. So it was if anybody kissed, if anybody took their shirt off, anytime there was a hand, hand-drawn sign. Great were story. You totally wasted, were you totally wasted by the end? Oh, God. We were totally wasted by the beginning. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I can try. <laughs> yeah, I've never met a cliche I don't like to incorporate into my work. <laughs> so it was... It was an alcohol-soaked disaster, basically, but so much fun. Beautiful. There were no survivors. Um, okay, where are we? Claire. We're uh, Friday night. Oh, we can't, we can't get through Claire. Okay. Right. Answer the question, Claire. So Claire is actually the first, like, within the logic of Deborah's brain, Claire is the first deserving victim because she actually talks on her cell phone in the theater. Even though the movie hadn't started yet. Sorry, but I guess... Well, she interrupted Deborah's pre-show. Oh, you're right. It was the pre-show. And no, right. When, Zebra, when Deborah talks. Yeah. Shut the fuck up, bitch. <laughs> right. And don't forget, even in France, cell phones are rude. Even in France. Très rude. Yeah, so um, before the movie, Claire, Claire excuses herself to go to the ladies' room and gets the shit killed out of her. Dead. Literally. <laughs> and it delights me that she's in the ladies' room long enough for Deborah to get into, like, a new wig and new makeup and a new outfit in order to, you know, to... Well, you can't. Well, I mean, she's got her standards. You can't just wear anything for the maiming of the shrew. <laughs> it's she a was, period she piece. Was, she was to be on camera. Well, and she also talked about how unattractive Deborah was. She, oh, she sure did. She, she sure did. She, she looks like oh, a drag queen while standing in front of Peaches Christ. A drag queen. Like, if Deborah don't kill you, Peaches is going to stop. 
That's right. Pizza's well, heating up a current line for you right now, honey. <laughs> oh, in the bathroom. Uh, yep. So, so uh, Claire meets her end. In a bathroom stall in the ladies' room. In a bathroom stall in the ladies' room. Panties around her ankles. The way she came into uh, this world. What? I got nothing. <laughs> and, and, and then poor, not even, I don't even know if Stephen liked her very much, but, you know, he does the right thing and he goes out to look for her. And that's when Adrian tells him that, oh, yeah, she took off. As Adrian and the, and the creepy twins are, like, wheeling out a, a big trash bin with a trash bag full of Claire, um, they, tell, they tell poor Stephen that uh, she left in a taxi alone. Right. Which fuels the whole second half of the film because, as I said earlier, the school faculty already has their eye on him because he's a little different. Right. So now that the school's most popular girl went out with him once and then vanished – Clearly, something is up, and clearly Stephen's guilty of something. So the police are getting involved. The girl's parents are getting involved. Everyone's trying to find Claire. No one knows where Claire is. Let's dissect the order of things here, though, because this is this is also where I find like I, I always find it delightful when like the rules of the real world are are sort of like thrown out the window in movies. Because we're in fantasy, not real. And I just find it so great that the parents whose child has been missing since Friday, go to the principal's office on Monday, and that seems to be the first official um, action that they've taken to locate their daughter. And they have exactly. called into the principal's office. Well, they had to come all the way back from Greece. Oh, is that? Oh, they were in Greece. Okay, okay. Uh-huh, the mom was playing, <laughs> the mom right. was playing Frenchie. That's... <laughs> What? Uh, yeah, what if the parents weren't in a touring production of Grease? Is that why they were out of town? <laughs> did I misunderstand the movie? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, she did look like a beauty school dropout. <laughs> That's so beautiful. Thank uh, you, Patrick. You're welcome. welcome. That's what I'm here that was, for. There was, that was two musical references thus far, if anyone's keeping score. Uh, welcome, welcome to Scream Queens. There we go. <laughs> we're going to try for four. We'll see how far we get. Oh, well, if we do that, stop the world. I want to get off. Patrick, that was three. That was so good. <laughs> One more and we're going to have to perform. <laughs> so the parents, the parents, the parents uh, go to the principal's office to uh, express concern over their missing child rather than going to the police first and foremost. Right. It seems um, so of place. Hold on a second. I got one of those Russian hookers calling me about the, her vagina. I'm trying oh. to turn it off. And, and okay. Does she want a refrigerator? Yeah, well, when I unlocked it to let Chris back in, I did not lock the door behind him, and the riffraff came in oh, with him. No. Oh, no. You're also a bouncer. They said, they, they said if he's getting in, they must be letting anybody in that room. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> mm -hmm. I think we were just insulted, Chris, but I'm not going to try no, to be. No, it was more for Chris. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Your turn will come. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, I'm surprised. I, I could have made a Rose's turn just, just then. Oh, no. Oh, God. All right. All right. So the principal's – so then a, a policeman actually does get called in by the principal and the nasty teacher. And, and still no, no um, word to Stephen's parents or lawyer about all this questioning that he's being subjected to. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Well, that would have bogged things down because we're really only here to see girls get their tits chopped off. Am I right? <laughs> Just get back to the tit chopping. <laughs> or no, or, or Stephen sitting in class sketching women having their tits chopped off, which is why he was being eyed for the crime in the first place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Mm. 
So then we jump to Judy trying to um, sort of do this little act of subterfuge where she's booked an interview with Deborah as an, a journalist who's secretly looking to do a hit, a high school newspaper hit piece on women who are anti-woman. Yeah, self-hating women. Self-hating women. Because the, the whole thrust of their relationship of Judy and Thomas Decker is that she just thinks his obsession with horror is stupid. Right. He talks about it all the time. She doesn't get it. And she's just like, well, I'm just going to show you how stupid it is. Yeah. So she goes to the, the theater to interview Deborah in the middle of the day. She's going to get a special screening of one of the movies. I'm not sure which. It doesn't really matter. But while she's there waiting for Deborah, because Deborah can't be on time. You have to make an entrance. Am I right? All right. All right. She finds that jewel encrusted flip phone. Yep. Chekhov's flip phone. Chekhov's flip phone. Yes. <laughs> So now Judy knows. <laughs> well, now it's Judy's turn to cry. Wow. Not a show tune. <laughs> that, was, that, that was some Leslie Gore realness for, for your, your hardcore listeners. And, they uh-huh. <laughs> and who doesn't love a sequel song? Who doesn't love a sequel song? They're exactly. Very far between. They're very rare. Thank you, Leslie. Mm-hmm. And thank you, Patrick, for that matter. You're welcome. You're welcome. You, and she's like, well, I'm just going to go. I'm just cause, and she knows something's up now that there's something not right here at all. And she's in here in the middle of the day with those weird people. So she's just trying to sneak out suddenly. It doesn't go well. Right. With it's the bloody cancer. cell phone tucked into her bra. Right. Cause that's sanitary. <laughs> well, I think the real diamonds in it would purify it okay. <laughs> because Claire was quick to point out that the jewels on her f- flip phone were real. They're real. My breasts are fake, but my jewels are real. <laughs> Uh, and I love that her, her shitty little friends like take a moment to point out that Claire wouldn't know any ushers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that it's such a, it's such a random yeah. bit. It's so yeah. lovely. Mm. Yeah, that's oh, and also that's the, no, no. Scene, the, the scene where we're setting up Judy's interview with Deborah is where that um, announcement comes over the loudspeaker that I swear... I had to listen to you three times because I thought they were saying Stephen Thompson's ass to the principal's office. What do they say? Stephen Thompson is asked to come to the principal's office. It's a very polite announcement. It would be very difficult to just let your ass go to the office by itself. That's really not very logical. We are in the fantasy, but that's just stupid. I thought it was just somebody particularly sassy. Like, yo, Stephen Thompson's ass is coming to the principal's office. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But no. Anyway, back to Judy and the, and the cell phone in her bra. Indeed. I was glad that Judy did not meet her demise in this film, may I just say. I was, yes, I, was, yes, I was rooting for her. I'm like, okay, best friend, best friend, journalist, investigative journalist. She has noble qualities. Let's have her live. And I'm, I'm spoiler alert, she lives. And I was very glad to see that. It does look dark for her for a minute there, though. Very much so. They're all, because she's just terrible at trying to make that exit like she immediately panics and overreacts and, and runs to the door and slams on the door please let me out um which you know of course just tips her hand and then well, she's uh, also like i gotta go i'm i'm sick right. <laughs> i'm really sick <laughs> no no it's the worst worst thing ever but bless her heart bless her heart no she didn't deserve to die so she didn't and that's good i'm very happy with that too um <laughs> did you lose your place again patrick did you hit the clitoris Oh, no, I hit, oh, I, I hit, I hit something. I hit the wall. Oh, <laughs> oh buddy, you're doing great. You got, you got this. You got this. Can't talk. Coming down. 
We passed Claire. We're on to Judy. What's happening? Basically, we're it's, we're go, we're sliding into the climax now. Yeah, we're getting there. Oh, I like a good climactic slide. <laughs> that was because, the original working title of that song. It wasn't the electric slide. It was a climactic slide. Well, because there's a news piece. Sticky on, wicky wicky. Exactly the news piece. Yeah. Yeah, there's a news piece on the TV that um, that Stephen and his mother watched together. It's an interview. Oh, oh yes, it's the it's the live interview with Deborah. <laughs> Oh, well, I love this interview, too. And also, that's, what's his name? Patrick Brewster? Patrick Bristow. Bristow, thank you. You know, who's from Showgirls, Showgirls and he pops up. And Ellen, the original Ellen yes. television series, yes. Yep. Yes. Yep. He's always a delight when he pops up. And, he, and um, yeah, he's got this morning show, and he's got Deborah on. And she's just so over it, which is fantastic on a morning <laughs> show. <laughs> morning shows are normally so insufferably upbeat. And she's yes. got this woman who does not give a shit about where she is. Right. You know, Peter, it was Hitch who said actors are merely cattle. I must concur that great acting is quite often the result of great directing. An actor's greatest strength is proper motivation. Well, uh, let's take a look at a clip from your notorious new short. Uh, would you care to set this up for us? Great art speaks for itself. <laughs> <laughs> the so, uh, is at the same time. Yeah, exactly. I love that she loves that this, this, this she is really bought into this whole thing that she is this Hollywood star right. now. Well, and, and here's where the plan really starts to unravel because she's showing a clip of the maiming of the shrew, which is which stars Claire, who is missing, and is yeah. I just I don't think that there was a lot of thought put into covering her tracks at this point. I think she's just going full on crazy. And no, yeah, no. I believe she believes. That much like so many in the Hollywood industry, they say, I am above the law. Well, she does quote Alfred Hitchcock talking about how actors are just cattle. Oh, Chris. That's not me this time. Oh, Jason. Oh, did you hear something? <laughs> well, I heard a siren, so one of you did something oh, naughty. Yes, that, that was my window. Sorry, I had both of my earbuds in. Yes, there's a siren outside my, my apartment. But I had nothing to do with it. It's purely coincidental, I can assure you. Mm-hmm. Okay. A likely story. I know. Just go with it. Though. Is there some fake sick person trying to leave your apartment with a cell phone in her bra right now? <laughs> that is where it is. It should be housed, especially when it's sacred blood. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a really bad place to carry a diamond encrusted phone in your bra. Because if it rang, which it does, we'll just cut your titty off. Cut glass and cut your titty right off. Sorry, I'm stuck on cut off titties today. <laughs> Imagine that. I can't help it. It was in the movie. There, it's a hot topic. <laughs> it is indeed. Yeah. So that alerts. Uh, seeing Claire in the video on morning TV alerts Thomas Decker that this is where bad stuff is coming from. It's the theater, not him. And he's out to save the day, and then realizes, oh, well, Judy's missing too. She never came back from that interview. Right. But there's going to be this big premiere. It's the biggest night at the Victoria Theater in a long time because it's going to be the premiere of the first full-length movie. Gore the- and peace. Gore and peace. <laughs> oh, wait, where was the slasher in the rye? Oh, slasher in the rye was the one starring Claire. Was it? Yeah. Maiming of the Shrew. No, was- Maiming of the- right. Maiming of the Shrew was a mixed doll. Mixed doll, yes. Yeah, the-, the titles are just so clever. 
They're yes. delightful. Yes, I'm looking at my Diary of Anne Frankenstein poster right now. <laughs> <laughs> that one was great. I saw that at the, at the premiere. I'm like, I got to have that one. That was fabulous. <laughs> Yeah, so first we have to have this this kind of um, big Friday night premiere of the, the first feature of, at the at the theater, and everyone who's anyone in the movie is there. Of course, of course, because you know it's the height of popularity for this thing. It's the hot ticket of the night. It is a glittering premiere, and much to Thomas Decker's what's the word I'm looking for? Chagrin. <laughs> Chagrin. His mom has shown up. Because and she just wants to understand him. Yeah, totally valid reason. She's like, well, it's just, I thought it was the best for like, you don't have to sit with me. I got the last ticket and whatever. She's being as cool about it as possible. But of course, I'm going, they're going to kill Alvira. No. <laughs> I was very upset. But you see, not only is it going to be a big premiere, but it's also going to be a new breakthrough in the way movies are made. Because not only will the audience be watching the movie, they will be in the movie because this is going to be a bloodbath. We are breaking through the underground tonight. All of us here, all of you, for you are the movie, ladies and gentlemen. We are all stars tonight. The And may I just say that some of these audience members just kind of deserve what they get. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I was very happy, though, when Pink when, uh, Peaches shows up. She's with her sidekick, Martin, uh, Martini. <laughs> they do a lot of skits together, and bad things always happen to Martini, and this was no different. <laughs> <laughs> Martini, no! Martini, no! <laughs> I want to know how medically accurate the the, uh, the symptoms of this poisoning are. Well, I mean, you did see the bottle of cyanide, right? Right, but do you... Yeah, really- the, yeah cyanide doesn't make your face swell up, but who knows what mix they're putting in that thing. Okay, Everybody true. is getting a, a little Dixie cup full of, well, a beverage, as they say. Complimentary. Right. To have a toast before the movie starts. Right. We all know and is even... Peaches Christ in the movie says, she's like, ooh, this is so Jonestown. I love it. Because that's exactly what they want to happen. And that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened at the screening I was at, too. We all got our complimentary Dixie cup before it started. Oh, I'm going, what's this about? This is weird. What's this about? <laughs> and, was, and was Noah Segan there to tell everyone to make sure you don't drink it until the toast? Oh, Noah Segan couldn't be there because if he was, he would have proposed it and we would have taken all the focus off of Peaches. It would have been terrible. Oh, well, that was nice of him. It has nothing to do with nice. It's just basic showbiz etiquette. You don't kick higher than Cheetah. And you never pull focus from Peaches. One of Claire's terrible friends thinks that there's alcohol in the the Dixie cup. So she starts chugging her own and other people's cups. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's get drunk. I was was very happy. I'm like, good. I hate (laughs) you. And then her, her face bubbles over and she vomits blood all over everyone. But still... People are sort of unfazed and, and, you know, just waiting for the toast. Well, that's the magic of the movies, Chris. <laughs> no, I love it. <laughs> it's the magic of the movies. People, it must be part of the movie, right? Of course. Logical choice. Well, they're not listening to Thomas Decker screaming, don't drink it, it's poison. 
just well, the face blowing up is going to do anything. I don't want to go into too much about the end of it because I'm going to do a screening of this. Okay. Fair. And I, I just want to say I adore this little movie. What oh. Joshua was able to do with a very small budget, very impressive. I agree. And it's such a love letter to horror movies and to horror movie fans without being – what's the word I'm looking for? Mr. Big Words, help me. <laughs> I think I've, I've reached the end of my big words, words rope. It was it was done in a way that was that was endearing, I thought, in a lot of in a lot of ways. Thank yeah. you, thank you. Yeah. It wasn't a talking down kind of thing or a look. Or no. Look, we're gonna keep referencing movies. I keep mentioning movie titles just to say we're one of you. No, we didn't have to. We got it. We Nothing got it. was belabored about it. Thank you. Yeah, I hate it when I belabored. <laughs> yeah, and the camp in it was like like as someone who also makes camp the the way to succeed at it is to have your characters invested in the reality of the movie and these characters oh. are very invested in this reality like no one is winking at the camera no one is you know no one is like showing the audience that they're in on it they are performing as scripted and it's just so successful because of that it's so funny and so scary i mean there's some like there's some disturbing scenes in this movie and characters who you may not like but certainly empathize with getting some really terrible things done to them yes and that's one of the things i appreciate too and i always mention this when it comes up i always am happy in a horror comedy when someone's death isn't a joke right they still find they find humor in other ways mm-hmm. like there's still some weight to things like even that poor girl who had her tits cut off and she's just kind of flopping over to the side in the background while we're having haha from Natasha Leone in the front. I'm going, that was awful. What was going on back there? That poor girl just died alone and titless in a basement somewhere. That's awful. And the fact that we're still laughing at Natasha Leone is, is, is a neat trick to pull off. I just wish that this movie got gotten any kind of distribution. I mean, it, Netflix wouldn't carry it. None of, it's not streaming anywhere and if you know the crap that's out there it's infuriating it is infuriating I agree and I will also say that I'm glad this happened as far as Natasha Leone's career is concerned I'm glad this happened before Orange is the New Black yes yeah I feel like this happened at the absolute right time because I don't know I don't know if she would have agreed to it not necessarily because she she would feel it was beneath her I mean I don't, I don't know her personally obviously but just to have that trajectory in one's career perhaps she would have thought that this maybe would not be the best choice for her to make this film I'm glad it happened when it happened oh yes uh, you're right yeah. you're right I wonder how Fred Armisen feels about it like do they snuggle on a Saturday night and pop in All About Evil and watch it together god I hope so god I hope so <laughs> Eat me out while we watch the movie. For- <laughs> <laughs> now that I believe, Leone seems totally the type. That's I. Yeah, I agree completely. I don't feel any licking. <laughs> <laughs> and take your glasses off this time. Oh God, we're terrible people. We're terrible people. And Natasha, I, if you're listening, we mean every word. It comes from. And I, I can, I can, I can hear it in my head very clearly. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it happening. <laughs> what's wrong with my head don't answer that uh-huh. <laughs> and she's smoking while it's all happening well, of course naturally <laughs> with that beret on oh absolutely yeah it, it's such a fun little movie and I love that it's a great example of how gay horror can could be mm-hmm. um, 
Because I got to say, well, like most of gay movies, a lot of it's trash. Yep. It suffers from low budget, bad acting, and it's none of it here. It's really solid. The, oh, the, so great. The camera work is great. The special effects are great. The cast is great. The writing is on point. I was delighted. And I was very eager to hear your thoughts on it because my thoughts are a little tainted. <laughs> I said taint. You did. Well, just because I got, was introduced to it with all that prep beforehand. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if it would suffer from film festival season, uh, fatigue. Not, that's what I'm looking for. Film festival syndrome. When you see a movie at a film festival and you're so excited about it and it, it turns out you only loved it because it was the thrill of being at the festival. No. So, but you've confirmed. I, the I, festival, I, the I'm festival not forming sentences. And that's okay. Okay. That was it. <laughs> I had to. I had to. I committed. There the go. King's Festival? <laughs> well, I watched on my computer at home and I delighted in every minute of it. So um, no festival audience required to enjoy this film. Agreed. Good to hear. Because... That would break my heart. <laughs> Don't that go breaking break. my heart, Patrick. I wouldn't if I tried. Thank you, Keith. I mean, right. not to say that I wouldn't enjoy the festival experience. So, Peaches, if you're listening and you want to come to Providence, please, please come present All About Evil here. Could you call me Kiki in my ear one time? <laughs> Kiki. No, not like that. You ruined it. Forget it. It's over. <laughs> He wanted the Elton John accent. Oh, <laughs> no, I, no, I wanted that other accent. Kaka, 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 kaka. Oh my God, this is a train wreck. Oh my God, I'm so tired. <laughs> this is everything you wanted this podcast to be. In well, it. this is how. This is how. Also, how the potathon goes. Indeed. I have done so many episodes at this point that <laughs> I'm fried. Like, there's only so much my brain can do, and and of course, I was. You know, accosted by that man on the subway today. Yes. Who held me down and made me smoke reefer. <laughs> what a terrible experience that must and have And didn't been. even tell me his name. This is, this is just the way things go. Okay, you know what? You're better for it. Okay, All About Evil is fabulous. It is also tragically out of print. And I wanted, before we wrapped up, to say thank you to Joshua Grinnell and also his business partner, Robert Barber. I have a copy of All About Evil. I bought it that night. So when I popped it into the DVD player to watch it, it turns out it had a big old crack. Oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. And so I said, I'll just get it from Amazon. Nope. 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 I found, I found an uncut version of it from Germany for $50 on Blu-ray. <laughs> that was not it. <laughs> it had the, had the cover. It had everything. I popped it in. I'm like, what is this? And it was German, so you don't want to know what was on there. Oh, gosh. But I said, you know what? What the heck? I'm in contact with both of them. Let's just try. I contacted Joshua and said, oh, my, movie, my DVD has a crack in it. Is there a digital copy? He said, call my producer. Got my DVD copy right away. So without them, this episode wouldn't be happening. Well, thank you. And we can, we can either praise them for that or blame it. <laughs> Why did you well, exacerbate I'll, this? <laughs> Never give him anything he asks for. I'll praise them for the, the viewing opportunity. I'm not so sure I'm going to praise them for this experience. But, I mean, it's been a joy as always, Patrick, is what Thank I mean you. to say. Thank Very you. much so. Okay, so before we wrap up, where can people find out more about you, Christiane, and your upcoming movies? Oh, I don't know. There's a <laughs> – let's pretend we're Buddy Rabbit. Hamster. 
Um, Let's pretend Buddy Rabbits does have a Facebook page that has tumbleweeds flying all over it right now, but will become active again when there's news to report. Uh, Creatures from the Pink Lagoon is also um, findable on Facebook. Uh, I also have... And, and, and on that Bob Swana torrent site that we mentioned right, earlier. Exactly. Um, I'm on Twitter, at Christiani, C-H-R-I-S-D-I-A-N-I. Uh, I'm on Snapchat. Is that what the kids are using these days? I'm on that. Sure. Same name. <laughs> and I'm on Instagram, is at Christiani. Um, and I don't know. I, I'm not great at digital presence these days, but sure, send me a message and I'll get back to you eventually. Way to undersell yourself, Chris. My goodness. <laughs> You've been doing very well this whole time. This is a digital presence, you know. You're doing better than I am right now. So, Jason, do you have any gigs coming up that people might be able to catch you at? I have a gig, and I also have a recording that was just released, and I'm going to plug both of them because I'm here, and I'm going to be that guy. That's what this part is for, plug me. <laughs> so, back in February... At Feinstein's 54 Below, I sang in a concert of highlights from Tanya and Nancy, the rock opera. Shut up. That Tanya and Nancy. You're welcome, America. Uh, Yeah, I sang in the ensemble. It is a fantastic uh, retelling of the saga that rocked the figure skating world back in the early 90s. Uh, it's the music is very fantastic. Tale as old as time. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tune as old as song. Uh, Nancy Opal plays both of their mothers, and she's brilliant. Everybody is fantastic. Uh, it's from start to finish. You, you follow the whole show. It's really fantastic. I highly recommend it. It is available. Uh, Tanya and Nancy, the rock opera highlights uh, from Five Cents Before Below, available on iTunes. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend. It's very very fun. Uh, in addition to that, I'll be doing a production of the Tennessee Williams play, Small Craft Warnings, oh. uh, at 13th Street Repertory Theater with Regeneration Theater. I did a play with them a couple of years back. Um, looking forward to that. That runs uh, November 1st through the 11th, so I'll be doing that as well. So I just want to tell the listeners, like you've heard Jason's basso profundo voice here in your ears. <laughs> you don't know nothing until you hear it live. Oh, you're sweet. will no. fly off your body and catch a cab home. <laughs> that like happened really a couple fun. of times when we were doing Underpants Cadeau. The panties, they just, that's the thing. It's a thing. Mm-hmm. They fly. Yeah. Felt like Tom Jones. It was, a, it was a really special, special moment. Wow. Yeah. No, not true. That's really the power of the Basso Profundo. <laughs> okay, gentlemen. Thank you very much for joining me on this little trip to the countdown to Halloween marathon. Thank you for helping out the kids at New Alternatives as well. Thank you for volunteering your time for this. That means a lot to me and it will mean a lot to them. Thank and you, Patrick. You're very welcome. Absolutely. Always hold on. Day. Hold on. <laughs> this one more. Oh, this is the most important part, you guys. Jesus. <sighs> go, go. I'll be back. Guys, 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 guys. <laughs> shh, shh. Happy Halloween. <laughs> Say goodnight, boys. Good night, America. And other places that are not us.
26, this final episode before all hell breaks loose on All Hallows' Eve. I've got a lot of people to thank. I mean, like, a lot of people to thank. And not just Christiani and Jason Pintar for doing a fabulous job guest hosting the show, for taking time out of their busy schedules to come play with us and help raise money for the kids. Yeah, that was good. That was good. And, of course, you know, Joshua Grinnell. Joshua Grinnell, Beatrice Christ, for just existing and making this movie and inspiring me genuinely. And I'm not I'm dropping the snark for genuinely giving the push that I needed to get me here eight years later. And without her or him, depending, depending on which version of him you're talking to, I wouldn't know any of you. You wouldn't be here. No, I, I, I'm just very grateful. I'm very grateful. And I will start gushing if I don't stop. Because, and I have to stop because I forgot to thank the donors at the beginning of the show. <gasps> what a horrible person I am. Brenda Vaccaro is a terrible person. I hope her deodorant tampons don't even work. It's true. They never really did. Unless you wanted your vagina to smell like fabric softener. Well, I guess, you know, to each their own. So there was actually... No donations over at the New Alternatives page. And you know what? I'm okay with that. If our final total on the New Alternatives page is 1403, I think that's appropriate for our podcast, don't you? I agree. But there are some people to thank on Facebook. First of all, a huge thank you to Erica Rolfswood. Oh, she's one of my favorite people on the planet. And she's not even a very close friend of mine. But no, she's a friend of... Never mind. You don't care who she is. But I mean, you do, but you should. She's an incredible actress. Uh, stage and TV and film. It's it, Look for a crazy redhead with an attitude. It's probably her. And anything you're watching, it's probably her. If she's tearing up the screen and being fabulous, it's Erica Rolfsford. Rolfsford. I can't even say her name today. And Erica, you came in to the pot and you did what you do. You came in, you kicked ass, you dropped money, and you went home. Thank you, Erica. You're fantastic. And also, we have... Krista Theobald. Thank you very much, Krista Theobald. I see that Krista Theobald is a friend of Allison Nowacki, which means that Krista Theobald is a saint. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I love Allison. I love Brian. And I love you for loving them, even though I've never met you. And I love you even more for donating to New Alternatives. That was fabulous. So in closer and closer and closer, we inch to the goal, kids. Less than $250. You have, what, 36 hours to do it. Probably less by the time this comes out. You'll have probably... Oh my God, I'm doing math. No. How, if there's one lesson I've learned from this potathon is don't do math on the air. Or just don't do math, period. So I'm not going to. You guys know what to do. You have $250 to raise by... The end before the sun, before midnight on Halloween. How appropriate is that? No. Yeah. Before the clock strikes midnight on Halloween. Sure, you can get your donations in after that, but I want you to crack that goal early. Daddy has needs. And remember, if we do that, if we hit 
the $2,500 mark by midnight and Halloween. That exclusive episode with Bart Mastronati, which is supposed to be another way to make money for new alternatives, is going to be free for everybody. And believe me, it's a cool interview. I never actually, I've known Bart for a long time, but I've never had a long conversation with him before. So I was a little nervous going in, but what a sweetheart and wonderful stories about the industry and about all of your favorite 80s scream queens because he just worked with all of them in that movie and apparently he's friends with them all, all of them anyway. Am I jealous? Absolutely. But that's not the point right now. So get on over to bit.ly slash sqpodathon or http colon slash slash fundraise.newalternativesnyc.org slash sq and let's do this. Let's bring this puppy home. And we, tell your friends. Tell your mom. Tell everybody. Just Don't even tell them why. Just say, give them money. And, you know, I know you, you people have powers. Of, I'm really tired. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I have embarrassed myself in front of Peaches Christ, in front of Joshua Grinnell, in front of Noah Segan, and in front of the entire God damn internet. And in the words of Mary Lou Maloney, I loved every minute of it. So until next time, my beautiful, beautiful screamers, when we're going to be joined by Josh and Liz from Bloody Date Night to talk about the most Halloween-y movie I could think of that we haven't already covered, Trick our treats. So we're going to get little Sam running around in here and I hope we don't have his big sharp lollipop and stick it in my face because that would be terrible. That's going on tomorrow. So until then, my beautiful, beautiful screamers, continue to make the world a creepier place. But let's just make this Halloween a little less scary for some kids who've already seen enough shit for 25 lifetimes. Let's give them a break this year. And of course, never, ever, ever forget the Scream Queen's golden rule. Fight or flight. Survive the night. Make it to the final reel, baby. One more show, kids. One more night. $250 more In the words of Connell Cochran, the clock is ticking. It's almost time. <laughs> All of the music for tonight's show, unless otherwise specified, has been written by Sam Haynes. You can find all of his music at www.bandcamp.com. Bitches! <laughs> Ew.